Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles Podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Exam Room Rambles. I'm your host, veterinarian Tracy Westergaard, and I am recording today from sunny but cold Lake Hendricks. This week's podcast is inspired by my weekend trip to the lake. Though it's really too cold to be in the water this weekend, it's like 30 degrees this morning and we're in the middle of May, I thought it would be a good time to talk about water safety. Now, obviously, this applies to both dogs and cats. Dogs are much more likely to be out and about with us, going to the lake, going to the ocean, swimming pool, boating, than cats. But everything I say here applies to cats. We do have a cat here with us at the lake home. His name is Sully, but he does not go outside. If he were a more adventurous cat, we would definitely be practicing all of these safety tips with him. Today's podcast isn't just going to be about lakes. This is going to apply to pools, rivers, ponds, the ocean. Though I don't know if anyone from the ocean is going to be listening to this podcast. And then we'll cover some tips on boating with your pets. Now to start off, not all dogs and cats are emotionally and physically equipped to swim. There is a belief that all dogs and cats intuitively know how to swim, and that is just not true. Now, it is true that some breeds were bred to swim. We know our Labradors, our Golden Retrievers, our water-loving dogs. And then there's some breeds that do not like water. Now, it doesn't mean that if you have this breed, your dog doesn't like water. But as a general rule, Chihuahuas, Pugs, Maltese, Shih Tzus, Dachshunds are not much of water dogs. And then there are breeds like Basset Hounds and Bulldogs that maybe like to play in the water and like to cool off in the water, but probably aren't physically equipped to swim and are at a higher risk for drownings. So a few general rules to follow. First off, know your dog. You know your dog's personality. You know his obedience. You know how he reacts in new situations bringing your dog along to a lake weekend or or a boating excursion. Number two, never force your dog into water. Whether they know how to swim or don't know how to swim, dogs are extremely intuitive, and if they don't want to get into the water, I would heed their warning. Don't ever force them. Don't ever throw them off the dock. Don't ever put them on a leash and drag them out into deeper water. You especially have to watch school-age children who may be a little more likely to force your pet to play with or in something that they don't want to. Number three, never leave your pet unattended by water. This could be a lake, a river, a creek, your swimming pool, the ocean. If you're at the ocean, it's real easy to just leave the dog outside on the dock while you run up to use the bathroom or grab a cold beverage. Just bring the dog with you call them to come along with you if they don't naturally follow already. Next generalized tip, and I was trying to go in some kind of numerical order, but I always forget what number I'm on. So the next tip is always bring fresh water along to where you're going to be. Dogs will want to drink out of the lake. They'll want to drink out of rivers, puddles, ponds. 
but it's a bad habit to let your pet get into, partly for disease conditions, different algae blooms, Giardia lepto. There are so many hazards in the water nowadays. Our waters aren't really clean and safe. Maybe if you're in some pristine, off-the-grid, mountainous area and the water is so clear and so pure, but it's just not around here. So this is something you're going to want to start young with your puppy. Probably the easiest thing to do is a good old-fashioned ice cream pail with a lid. You can take that ice cream pail, bring it out to the end of the dock. You can bring it on the pontoon. You can bring it to the beach. Probably not as easy as when you're hiking, but there are obviously water bottles and containers that you can bring water along for your dog. If you want some kind of fancy, insulated, easy-to-carry water bowl, there are a gazillion of them available online or at pet stores. It doesn't matter. It can be an old plastic Folgers coffee container. That's what my dad has used for years. It works great. It can be an ice cream pail. Bring water with you. Have it accessible so that your dog doesn't have to drink out of the lake, river, stream, pond, etc. Ocean water is especially dangerous. I admit, I've been to the ocean like three times in my life. I have zero experience with ocean water. But I do know from reading and from school that dogs that drink ocean water out of desperation because they're so thirsty can have severe salt toxicity effects. And of course, we can't forget, make sure you're current on all of your pet's preventative care. That includes vaccinations, flea and tick preventions. If they're on certain medications, make sure that you stay current on those. There are certain health conditions that you need to be especially careful around water with your dog. If your dog has any chronic illness, be sure to ask your veterinarian at your annual physical exam what things that you need to be careful about with water if you're taking your dog with you. The first one that comes to mind is seizure disorders. If you have a dog that has seizures and they are out swimming, even in very shallow water, if they have a seizure, they could drown. They could drown while you turn your back for one minute. Even if their seizures are well controlled and they're on seizure medication, we do see breakthroughs. <sighs> I'm out of breath. Another one that comes to mind is chronic heart failure. We've got quite a few older dogs that are on Vetmedin, Lasix, special food for heart disease, and overexertion that they're not used to, extreme heat could be enough to push them over the edge and go into actual heart failure. Now, those are just two of several different health conditions that you need to be especially careful with around water. Definitely talk to your vet about your pet's specific health condition. So back to the preventative care. The one that I'm really thinking is probably especially important is going to be a current lepto vaccine. Lepto is in the water. It's in lakes, it's in puddles, it's in streams. We do have a vaccine for the more common types of lepto. Lepto is a bacteria it can cause kidney disease, liver disease. It's one that people can get too. So be current on your vaccine there. Not all vet clinics vaccinate for lepto. So be sure to ask if your veterinarian includes it in your yearly vaccines. If your dog is at a pet-friendly public beach, you'll for sure want to be on a regular parasite flea tick control and something that deworms for intestinal worms. Roundworms, hookworms, those things are notorious in public parks and beaches. And your dog should be on a monthly preventative for that. If you keep them on like a heart guard or an interceptor revolution on some kind of monthly heartworm prevention, the intestinal parasite control is usually included in that. 
So if you have a young puppy or your dog doesn't know how to swim, now is going to be the perfect time to introduce them to water. And really, it's a lot of common sense. First off, keep your dog on a leash, for starters. Start in shallow water, something that they can just get their feet wet, and you can slowly work out to deeper water. Also, you need to get in the water with your dog. Dogs are so intuitive, and they're so in tune to energy, that if you're exuding fun and positive energy and no fear, no dread about the process, your dog's going to pick up on that. So make sure you have a good attitude, have a fun spirit, and really encourage your dog to be with you in the water (laughs) or anytime for that matter. So I'm going to digress here. Obedience is so important. Sit, stay, come, drop it. The recall, all those steps that you build in obedience build respect and build connection. You want your dog to turn to you when they're fearful, turn to you when they're confused, excited for guidance. You have to be a leader for your dog. And this is a perfect example where if you have an obedient dog, then that dog trusts you and respects you and looks to you with a leader. It's going to make introducing them to anything, whether it's water or anything with a new environment and new activity is going to be so much easier. Okay, so now back to our regularly scheduled program. If you have a toy-motivated or treat-motivated dog, you can bring those with. Your dog has a favorite stuffed animal. Well, maybe not stuffed animal. Maybe a favorite squeaky toy, or they have a tennis ball that they love. They have a certain kind of treat they love. You can take those into the water. And I don't mean like deep five-foot water. We're talking about getting the dog's feet wet, getting its belly wet, and easing into this. So slowly, as your dog gets more comfortable with water over several sessions, you can slowly start going out into deeper water. Once they start to paddle with those front legs and you're in deeper water that they can't touch, support them by their belly and help them learn that they can float. Now, if you have a breed that is a high risk for drowning or has a health condition, you are just going to want to outfit your dog in a safety jacket from day one. Don't even try to teach them without one. Don't take them to water without them wearing one. Now, there are so many different models and colors of life preservers. It's really just a matter of measuring your dog, looking at one that's in your budget, and trying it. Most places have wonderful return policies. If it doesn't work, you can return it or donate it. You especially want to pick a bright color, hot pink, neon orange, because your dog will be easier to spot in the water during the day or at night if it has reflectors on it. You just never know what could happen. And um, that life preserver is a way that you can visually see them in addition to helping them float. I hate to even bring this up, but I think I have to. Dogs, medium to large sized dogs, can drown a person if they are panicked. So if you are ever going in to rescue a dog, you see a stray, you're involved in a natural disaster, anything like that. Absolutely, even in water that you think you can handle if you're a strong swimmer or the water is not that deep, put on a life preserver. If you're going in to help a 60-pound dog and they are panicking, if they are trying to crawl on top of your shoulders and your heads, they can push you in. People die every year trying to save other people and other animals. So please protect yourself. It's probably been close to 20 years, but a veterinarian friend of mine died going into a shallow stock pond to save a blind calf that was drowning. We don't really know what happened, but we assumed he got kicked in the head by this flailing calf. 
got knocked out and drowned. And it happened in seconds while the farmer, who was on the side of the pond, watched it happen. The water was murky, and they just couldn't get to him fast enough. Okay, I'm going to try to turn this back to be on topic and a little more cheerful. So this would be a good time to segue into boating. Some of the things I have mentioned specifically apply to boating. Life preservers. Your dog needs to have a life preserver on a boat. Pontoons also. Now, pontoons tend to be safer the way they have a railing system. But more of a speedboat or a fishing boat, I think it would be really crazy crazy for you to not keep a life jacket on your pet while they're in that boat. If they do go over and they have their life jacket on, they're going to be easy to spot. And a lot of these life jackets almost have a handle on them, so they're going to be easy to pull up into the boat. If you have a large dog or even a medium-sized dog, a heavy dog is a heavy dog. Trying to reach over a boat, over the pontoon, anywhere, and lift a dog that's in the water up into the boat is extremely challenging. Heck, sometimes it's hard to pull a heavy fish up into the boat. So please consider that when you're purchasing a life jacket or when you choose to have your large dog out on the water with you. Can you get them back in the boat if they get out of the boat? In Minnesota, it's real common for us to watch fireworks at the 4th of July from the middle of the lake on a pontoon or a boat. This would be a double no for your dog. It makes me really uncomfortable having the dog in a boat after dark because it's really hard to see the water after dark, but it would be extra bad if there were firecrackers and fireworks. So rivers, lakes, and ponds all have some, and I suppose the ocean too, all have some kind of currents in them. Like today I'm looking out over the lake and there's whitecaps on the lake. There's a pretty strong current. Dogs don't always know to judge those things, so you need to make a decision for them. Like, okay, there's whitecaps on the lake, even if it were a warm, beautiful day. I'm not going to let my dog to go down by the water. He's going to stay kenneled. Or we know the water's going to be choppy. We're going to go out fishing. There's a bigger chance of the boat rocking. We're not going to take the dog with us today. If you have a dog that has some separation anxiety, here's where crate training or kenneling would be really nice. We used to go up to Elk Lake um, in central Minnesota, and that's when my dad's dog, Gage, was still alive. And when all of us were out on the boat, it was kind of crowded, so we would leave Gage on the shore. And more than once, he actually jumped into the water and literally swam along the shoreline to follow us on the boat. Now, that only had to happen once before we knew he had to be taken up to the cabin and crated or left with another person so that he wouldn't try to follow us on the boat. Here's one that I'm undecided about, and this is whether or not to leave a collar on your dog if they are near the water's edge and are normally a good swimmer. So where we are, there's quite a bit of submerged branches. There's some fish habitat, and we don't have a big swimming lab, but if we did, I would be a little bit concerned about a collar being hung up on a submerged branch. Now that would be in a dog that wasn't wearing a life jacket. No, my little dogs are rat terriers. They don't like the water. We did have Rodney with us at the lake several times last year, but we did not let him go down to the dock. He was not allowed near the water. Now this year, if we try to have Rodney close to the water, he will be wearing a life jacket. If I can find one that fits him, because he's kind of weird shaped. If not, 
he's going to stay up in the cabin and be kenneled while we're out. Along with rivers, lakes, and ponds, we often have fishing gear. Fishing gear poses a hazard to dogs and cats, whether it's down by the water or locked away in your garage or even just on the tailgate of your pickup. Every single year, we deal with fish hooks in animals' mouths. Cats can chew on a fishing line laying around and develop a linear foreign body. Those are unfortunately rather common and rather deadly. They require surgery, and even then, they don't always end well. Keep those things locked up in cabinets, or keep your pets away from them altogether. If your dog is going to be with you on the boat or the pontoon or the dock, they do make several different floating ramps. I've heard the term scamper ramp, rescue ramps. Um, There's several different ones on the market, anywhere from $30 to $100, and I'm sure there's a homemade version of it. But that is something I would definitely invest on, invest in if you're going to have your pet on the boat or on the dock with you. And honestly, if you have swimming pools too. I haven't talked about swimming pools yet, but you should have some kind of a rescue ramp in your swimming pool at all time when the cover's not on it. Not just for dogs and cats, squirrels, bunnies, even frogs. Some of these water-loving critters can't get out of pools and they drown and it's just awful. No one wants to scoop dead bunnies out of their pool, right? So one more thing about rivers, lakes, and ponds before I move on to pools, and that is blue-green algae. Now, most people who live in Minnesota are aware of blue-green algae. In fact, our government and our DNR is really good about putting alerts out for specific lakes when the situation is just right. Blue-green algae is a cyanobacteria, and it happens in calm, warm waters. We often see it late in summer where the water is warm, it's slow moving, and we get these quick, hard algae blooms. The other thing that contributes to these algae blooms is lots of nitrogen and lots of phosphorus from agricultural runoff. We do have a problem with that here, and it contributes to these blooms. Our water quality is not great. Now, this particular cyanobacterium is toxic to everything. It's toxic to people, dogs, livestock, I think dogs are the most effective because affected because they're the most likely to drink the water. Another good reason to always have fresh water with for your dog and get them in the habit of drinking your fresh water, not the lake water. Now from the time they drink the water till the time a dog dies from this toxicity can be as quick as an hour. We've lost dogs every few years to this. And often when people call We say, get to the vet clinic as fast as you can, and usually, though, the dog doesn't even make it to the vet clinic. The signs are kind of those of neurotoxicity. They can be incoordinated, disoriented, seizures, vomit, diarrhea, weakness. It's pretty awful. Now, dogs that don't get a severe dose of it may take a day or two to die, but I can say that we have never saved a dog from blue-green algae toxicity. I'm not aware of any that have made it, and if they did, it must have just been a sip of water. Now, unfortunately, you can't tell by looking at the water if there is an algae bloom. There's a ton of different algaes, and in Minnesota, some of our shallow prairie lakes can be pretty green and pretty warm by midsummer. Doesn't mean that it's a blue-green algae bloom. You can't tell by looking. So when in doubt, if the water looks questionable, check with the DNR. They are putting alerts out every day, 
literally if there is a suspect high risk for blue-green algae. So check where you're going, check the water quality. Pools. I'll touch on swimming pools briefly. I don't have a lot of personal experience with swimming pools, or we don't have one, though it is becoming more and more popular for people to have out-of-ground, like, three-foot swimming pools here in Minnesota. But the in-ground pools, there's some no-brainers. The same things that you need to do to protect your children are the same things you do to protect your pet. Have them fenced. Keep them covered. Invest in pool alarms. Monitor temperatures. And teach your dog how to get out of a pool, whether it's a ladder, whether you have a scamper ramp like I talked about earlier, or whether you have stairs in a permanent in-ground pool. Actually show your dog. Drill it. Practice it so that your dog knows how to get out of the water. And honestly, same with on your pontoon. You know, if you have a ladder and you've got a big lab that you can't lift in, teach your dog how to use the ladder. They can use it. It just takes a little effort. One thing you need to watch with both pools and lakes is water temperature. Dogs can get hypothermia very fast in cold water, especially if they are certain breeds. Now, Labradors, for example, usually have a good layer of body fat on them. They are bred and designed to retrieve in cold water, but that's not the same as your Yorkie swimming in cold water. Again, use common sense. Think about the water temperature. If it is so cold that you lose your breath when you put your leg in, it's probably too cold for your dog. You need to monitor them very closely. And the last thing I want to cover is what to do after you have spent time at the water. So post-water care. It doesn't matter if it's a swimming pool. Pools are full of chlorine and harsh chemicals. Or the ocean, which is full of salt. And salt can be toxic and very drying to skin. Or ponds that are full of giardia or lepto or nasty algae. You need to wash with shampoo with fresh water after every weekend at the lake or the ocean or swimming. You can't just let them dry. You're setting them up for skin infections, possibly intestinal infections, and all sorts of issues. You especially need to pay attention to their ears, cleaning and drying the ears. Now, we know some breeds, your Cocker Spaniels, your Lab, your Golden Retrievers, they are much more prone to ear issues, but all dogs need to have their ears cleaned and protected after swimming. They do make certain types of astringent drying agents called swimmer's ear for dogs. Again, look at your local pet store, talk to your local veterinarian about what they recommend, what their favorite products are. And the last thing that you need to watch for after your dog has been swimming, especially if they had a bit of a mishap or uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, a bad experience swimming, is something called dry drowning, which is basically an aspiration or inflammation because they've got some water down the wrong tube. If you've got a dog, for example, that doesn't know how to swim and they end up in the water and their head is up and they are doggy paddling and they are a little panicked, they could easily get some water into their throat, down into their lungs. Not enough to drown. Maybe at first, within the first few hours, you only hear a couple light coughs. But within 24 or 48 hours, that can turn into a pretty severe pneumonia. And that can happen even with dogs that are good swimmers. These dogs that are retrieving off the dock, that are swimming all day, they can still get some water down the wrong hole. Tube, pipe, such technical terms I use here on Exam Room Rambles. So always be watching them for signs of aspiration pneumonia or inflammation from getting some of that nasty algae down into their lungs. So I hope that pretty much covers it. 
I feel bad that I didn't really talk about cats much in this. I just don't know how many of you are taking your cats with you to the ocean or on your pontoon on a Sunday afternoon, but please understand all of these apply to cats. I would really like to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a wonderful summer with your pets enjoying water and the wonderful outdoors. If you have questions, constructive criticism, ideas for the show, I can be reached at examroomrambles at gmail.com or the Marshall Animal Clinic during regular business hours, 507-537-1537 or www.marshallanimalclinic.com. Thanks.